Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You better watch out, you better not cry. You better not pout, I'm telling you why. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Scott's making a list. Grant's checking it twice. They're gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. We're back in your parents' basement, baby. It's the Christmas studio. Christmas studio. It's yeah. full of. You got three Christmas, Christmas trees gear here. and a, ga- a cat that will claw at your legs if you he, he walk towards it. He is a dickhead cat. That's okay. Uh, before we hop into the episode, we got a nice little two-parter today, starting off with some some hoops talk, and then we'll transition into some football talk. But let's talk about my bookie first. My bookie. Mybookie.ag. It's the place to be if you want to win. Lots of money. I was going to try to rap and try to do like a little poem, but we don't need to do that. You guys know what it is. Again, we get the numbers. The boneheads are the greatest gamblers in the world. You guys are bankrupting them. So make sure you do this quickly because soon they're probably going to take the promo code away from us. If you use promo code BOYS25, you get a 50% match on your deposit up to $1,000. Folks, it's the time. It's bowl season. You want to bet on all these bowl games. You got NFL games. We're about to go into the playoffs. NBA, NHL, college basketball. It's all heating up. You can even do custom prop bets and bet on esports. Still not 100% sure what esports are, but everyone keeps saying it's the next big thing. So get on my bookie and make sure you're gambling on it. If you're the type of guy who likes to, you know, play, you know, 100 bucks on 16 on the roulette wheel, you like to put a little on there, maybe one big. Parlays are the way to go. Put a hundred bucks down on three different wagers. You win them, you get it, get it like six hundred bucks. It's crazy. Also, need to be following them at Bet My Bookie on Twitter. They answer every tweet, every DM. Great customer service, and they've given away over ten thousand dollars in straight cash, homie. Plus a ton of free play to their Twitter followers. And guess what? Every time there's a crazy new prop bet or odds come out to find out who's going to win the Super Bowl, probably not the Chiefs because they have a really bad defense, it goes on oh, Twitter first. Oh, you're coming back on that, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't admit when I'm wrong. That, that was uh, I also just went to bed when I started looking up stats. I was yeah. like, nope, just going to go to bed. <laughs> but back to my bookie. Make sure you go there. Again, this isn't going to be around much longer. Boys 25, 50% deposit bonus. You win. You get paid. Let's rock and roll. K-State 71, Georgia State 59. Yes. 
uh, first big bullet point that we have to talk to immediately, and unfortunately, Dean Wade's injury. What was your initial thought when you saw Dean go down? My initial thought, and I went straight to Twitter, so those of you who follow me on Twitter know what my thought was. I said, well, we just saw Dean Wade shoot his last shot as a K-State Wildcat. Um, I've cooled on that a little bit, you know, everyone who knows me, I'm... (laughs) I melt down quick and fast, uh, so hopefully that isn't the case, but it doesn't fill you with a lot of confidence, especially a guy who has been dealing with foot injuries um, over the last you know nine months. It's uh, not pretty, and then also some folks way smarter than me were also saying that they thought he might have done something to his hamstring as well, so that's not a good combo. No. I mean, my first thought was that he came down on his ankle after shooting, but when I watched the replay... He, like, took three he, steps. It, yeah, it was it was several steps after that, and then, I don't know, unable to put any weight on his foot and was on crutches. It's not looking good. We do know that there's no bone issue. There's no broken bones, so they're going to do an MRI today, which is Sunday, um, to get some further diagnostics on it, but... I'm worried about it for sure. Um, how much does Dean being out possibly change your your expectations this year? Um, I'd be lying if you know I said they haven't already started to cool a little bit. Um, and, and I don't know. And and I'm kind of coming off of my idea of thinking they were cooling. If you if you look at just the game yesterday, that's what the team can look like if they hit some shots and especially some shots from three. And we'll dive more into the actual game here in a little bit, but. Uh, with Ding being out, that kind of makes this whole roller coaster of a season. You know, I started off high. These last two games, I'm down. And then if you look at that game on the surface, you're like, cats are back, baby. Let's rock and roll. Uh, but with, without Dean, let, let's just, you know, say he's done for the year. Um, I still think we make it to the tournament. I mean, hell, we made it to the Elite Eight with only getting, what, two possessions from him in the Kentucky game? Yeah. Uh, it was a little more than that. It was like eight minutes. But. Um, you made it to the Elite Eight without him, um, so I still think we can make the tournament, but any sort of pipe dream of competing with KU for the Big 12 title or uh, winning the Big 12 tournament, anything like that is 100% out the window. Um, I just don't think we have enough depth at the four spots or as in bigs in general to really sit back and say, yes, we can compete for a title. But, you know, finishing between – fourth and sixth in the Big 12 and getting a, you know, between a seven and nine seed. That's where my head's at right now. What about you? Oh, man. I mean, make no mistake about it. It's a big blow to the season if Dean is out. I honestly never really expected us, even with a full healthy Dean, to really compete for the conference title because we're just too inconsistent. But, yeah, I mean, shoot, we went to the Elite Eight without Dean. Um, Any of us obviously would have given up our pinky toe to have like a healthy Dean last year in the Loyola game, but it's not the end of the world. This team seems to look very different without Dean Wade on the floor and almost in a good way. Like how much to you do you think that the dynamic of the team changes when Dean goes out? I think when Dean goes out, um, the biggest thing that changes is there is no doubt about who the man is on the floor. It goes from being like, all right, hey, you got – you got Dean and you got Barry, and then on some nights Cam. Um, it goes to okay, this is Barry. This runs through Barry. This is all on Barry's shoulders. Um, for better or worse, I think his mentality and his you know what what's going on between the ears, uh, he's better suited for that. I think we'd be in much bigger trouble if Barry went down. And that's all being said. I truly think Dean Wade is more talented. I think that we have more depth at the guard position. But to have that alpha mentality, a guy that's going to say, "Put the team on my back," you know the, you know the Jacob Pullen pounding on his chest. This is my mother effing house. Um, that's Barry Brown. He has that mentality. Dean Wade doesn't. Um, so if you're gonna tell me you have to lose one of them, it sucks. But okay go down um and then you're also going to play smaller maybe a little bit faster so the dynamic 100 percent does change I, I i again don't think i can go as far as saying for right. the better i don't think that we're better without dean we are objectively a better team with dean on the floor i mean it'd be crazy to think that l- losing a player of his caliber would make you better but it makes us different and it's it i, I don't know i'm not gonna say we're better i'm i'm like holding myself back from saying that but it makes us 
I don't know, maybe more dangerous, better suited to the college game today. We seem to run the floor a lot more. We play much faster. I don't know. Because, I mean, we're forced to because we play smaller. So it just naturally we're going we're gonna to run the floor more. But speaking of Barry Brown, this was his best game of the year. Definitely. Oh yeah, he went 8 for 10, 4 from 5 for 3. <clears throat> and he had a steal and an assist for 21 points. And that's all while sitting out a large chunk of that first half of foul trouble. Yeah. And, it, I mean, it came his best. I think, his, well, actually, he started off with our first 8 points. But I would say that his best period in the game came when we our back was – absolutely against the wall we had just lost both dean and cam which we'll talk on touch on cam in a second but we also lost the lead after yeah we, both of them went both of them went down and it was not looking good yeah and then, we were up by like what six points and then we got down by four they like went on a 10-0 run or a 12-2 run, run like and then we finished the game oh. out with like a 20 20 to 4 run basically and a lot of that was sparked by barry brown it's good stuff. He's, yeah. He thrives when his back's against the wall. Yeah, and this is the type of stuff that I think Barry Brown's legend will be written. Um, I said in at the beginning of the year when we talked about who, when it's all said and done, this core group of players, who's going to be the one who's most remembered? I think everyone continued to say Dean Wade uh, because he, had, he, he did have the potential. But when it's all said and done, I don't think there's any, any way it's not Barry. He takes his team on the back. He has that special it factor that when a team needs him the most, he just he just takes it to that next level. And I I, I don't know what it is. I, I think it, when it all comes down to it, it's what's going on between the head because uh, he, he is a great player, but there's something that just switches on and he's, he takes games over. Um, I, I think K-State fans are about to witness something very special over at least the next you know four or five games out of Barry Brown. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yes, me too. Speaking of, Cam Stokes also took an injury. Um, he had one of his better nights of the year, probably his best night of the year too. He went 5 for 9, had 15 points. Um, my initial reaction is he's going to be fine. He just came down on his ankle. I mean, it looks like an ankle sprain. They taped him up and he was walking. I don't know. He came down on his foot basically on one of the opposing players on the bench. Dirty play. I've it done probably it. wasn't, but <laughs> no. I s- I'm still calling I'm, it. Dirty I feel like play. we've all done that before, and I we're back to 100 percent in a week and a half. He should be okay. I don't know, but I guess we're gonna have to wait and see. Yeah, I'm a little worried about it, only for the fact that you know he did break his foot last year. Yeah, um, and again, he that was his best game. I wanted to see him build on it, and again, I found myself in this corner of defending Cam because I feel like he has so many haters, and I just hated to see him go down after having such a great game, but. Uh, especially if he can't go on Wednesday or then again on Saturday versus two some versus some decent teams, you know, Southern Miss and Vanderbilt, um, that's really going to make the bench look super skinny because with Dean out, I'm assuming you're going to play X at the four and go three guards. Um, if that's going to be the case, I mean, Mike McGurl's going to have to step up and get starting minutes, and then your next guard off the bench is – you know, Sean Neal Williams, because you're going to have to start Cardi and Mike. And then all of a sudden, we were talking about a deep bench. All of a sudden, you, you see probably two contributors on the bench. Yeah, before we. Yeah, and <laughs> bef- sorry. I, I, before I we jump into, into the, the negatives bench. of the, our bench woes, we'll touch on some positives. Um, defense was incredibly stout. Once again, Georgia State averages over like 80 points a game, and we held them to 59. I think this is probably our best defensive performance. 100%. Collectively and individually. 100%. Um, also, insane stat, we held held Georgia State without a single offensive rebound. That's unbelievable. Especially with all those defense, like all the rebounding woes from last year, the yeah. fact that we did that, and again. And now we're the number four best defensive rebounding team in the country, yeah, which is it, absurd, without and, tries. Yeah, I was just about to say, we'll, we'll talk about the bench here in a little bit, but that's all that without the, you know, Juco rebounding machine that Trice is, and that's if it, you can take a lot of negatives so far from this season. I again, I'm not going to sit here and you know say, oh, we're the greatest team ever because obviously you aren't. You, you can't lose to Tulsa and play the way you did versus Marquette and still think that. But the fact that you're still playing defense at an insane rate, legitimately one of the best defensive teams in the country, and then you go from being the worst rebounding team in the Big Twelve to being a top ten rebounding defensive rebounding team in the nation. 
That's an insane transformation. It's crazy. Also, we brought our shooting shoes finally. We shot 46% uh, from three. Hey, it's a simple game. Make shots. You're going to look so much better. Yeah. We look like quite a good team when we're not shooting as bad as you can possibly shoot. I mean, it's simple. <laughs> Just shoot the ball well, and we'll be all right. Yeah, and I, I think we we all know that the games like this are possible. And even if you don't have a game even as good as this, we were shooting at a historically bad rate. And yeah. we there is enough track record with every single one of these guys to know that they're not historically bad three-point shooters. So I, I think moving on, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm starting to, you know, buy in again like i came into this podcast feeling a little down but the more and more we talk i'm like okay let's let's strap up and let's ride again if we can just find some consistency shooting the ball we'll be okay but yeah it, just don't shoot as bad as possible which yeah. we've been so abysmal like shooting 28 percent, which according to fan i think is second worst in the last 20 or so years and, and we that is unacceptable that it's unacceptable i mean yeah just look at the, the statistics statistics from last year most people are shooting at least 35% from three. You know, we had Dean Dean above 40. It's just, it's a weird, it's been a weird stretch of just we cannot buy a bucket, and surely that'll change. I mean, individually, we're better shooters than that. And maybe games like these will spark something. Yeah, and they do have to rebound quickly because Southern Miss is one of those teams that competes to win their conference and that can get into the tournament. And Vanderbilt, although they lost their point guard, who is one of the better point guards in the SEC, there's still going to be a massive test on Pretty Saturday in the spring. about center. that. I wanted to watch him play. But I guess we'll jump into some more negatives. We just want, 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 want. We'll do a little 180 here. Our bench woes continue. Um, so Trice did not see a minute of the game. I'm not sure why. Is it because he's <laughs> – I, I personally think it's because he's just not – good enough or he's just not practicing well enough and nothing has been leaked out to make me think it was disciplinary right um so it and i'm surprised like no one asked coach about that i mean trice didn't see a game or a minute of the game which is which is odd i mean it's odd and um even worse sean williams mike mcgirl cardi and stockard went two from 13 shooting i mean Looking at it, we're nine games in. Is this who our bench is? Um, so first off, I do want to throw a little bit of praise to Mikey McGurl because while he went over on the night shooting, his defense was amazing. He he was guarding almost exclusively when he was on the court, which ended up being over twenty minutes on that Simmons guy. Simmons, there's a D in there. Sim Sidman, whatever. But he's an NBA prospect. There were fifteen NBA scouts About to in the fight. arena. Your yeah, cat. Yeah, you take care of that cat. He's not a good boy. Um, <laughs> he's hissing at him. Oh, man, this is this is great. Um, but McGurl was able to play great defense on him. And even though he was not shooting well at all, oh, <laughs> this is a cat, cat is terrifying. Oh, my gosh, he's the worst. Um, but, yeah, but even though he wasn't able to contribute on offense, I think he did – you know, play really great on defense. And Cardi, again, uh, not a great night. He had all two of those field goals. Uh, but One when, of them was a dunk. One of them was a dunk, and it was amazing. He, again, played good defense. I think he actually held on to the ball a little bit better. Um, but all those bench guys, they turn it over so much. They do. Just so much. And, and it's not just them. X had a couple just – puzzling passes trying to get it into Mac. I mean, and the entire team yesterday yeah, was really, really careless. They turned it over far too much. Careless, careless. It, it seems like at least this season we aren't going to get much more out of the bench. Um, Trice is a liability at this point. You know, aside from his rebounding efforts, we're almost getting nothing from any guards beside Barry, Cam, and, you know, Cardi has shown flashes, but it hasn't been consistent at all. Um, do you think that you're uh, – perspective has changed on what we thought was a team with some very quality depth i mean if you recall i was not you know i i i did not buy into the narrative of the great depth i i had some reservations about mcgirl i had some reservations about sean neil williams um i think i 
was a little bit more thinking that Trice was going to be the real deal, and I was hoping Stockard could make a jump. And I actually thought Stockard, uh, he he didn't score, but I thought he played all right. He got some rebounds. He, uh, you know, he he played some good defense. But I wasn't of the mindset that, oh my gosh, like these two guards are going to be amazing. And I think fan expectations and just the narrative surrounding Shawnee Williams and Mike McGurl just. <laughs> It was just far too much on almost no track record. Um, so I think that was another just, you know, side effect of fans going too crazy. Uh, so I, I do think those two are who they are. I'm not expecting that much. You might see um, them come in and be able to get, you know, six, seven points in random games, but I don't think you can expect that game in, game out. I do expect more from Cardi. Now, if – Dean and or Cam are going to have an extended period of absence. He's going to have to start. He's going to have to be playing 30 minutes a night. I think he's going to find some rhythm. He's going to find his role. I do expect more from him. Everyone else, this honestly is kind of what I feared, but what I expected. Yeah, it's funny. I remember when we talked to Bruce, we we asked him, would some guys be unhappy at the guard spot fighting for minutes? And... (laughs) They've done, like, nothing to warrant getting a good chunk of minutes. Um, are you concerned about the future? Yes, I I am. I, I am. With how little we've seen from the younger guys yes. on this team. Um, I'm hoping when it's all said and done um, in the off season, they take massive steps forward. I'm hoping that some of these recruits that are going to come in um, are a little bit more um, scoring-oriented. Um but yeah, I it, you can't not be worried because let's in a hypothetical world, and I don't think Xavier Sneed has played well enough to uh, even think about truly being drafted this next season. Granted, still a lot, you know, set about seventy percent of the season still left to come. We're at about the thirty percent mark, so that could all change. But uh, you're going to have Cardi and Xavier Sneed starting probably Mac, but to fill out the rest of the squad. I, I really don't know if you could sit here and say, I feel comfortable starting two guys currently on this roster and think that we're going to go to the NCAA tournament next year. Yeah, I mean, I'm not panicking yet, but I, I mean, there are obviously good players on this team to be unlocked, but we need to be seeing more now. I would like to be seeing more now. Um, it's going to be a massive shock for this team and the fans, when we lose our senior contribution, it's going to be scary. I mean, next year could be a big struggle early on. One thing we do need to remember is that Bruce and the staff are very good at developing players, so I have faith in them as a staff to get more out of these guys. I think the next week will be interesting. You know, we talked about Barry thriving when he needs to when his back's against the wall. Do you think that we saw that from McGurl last year? Because he was forced – we forced his hand to play, and he stepped right in. Uh, Again – the the narrative around the, uh, of McGurl doing that I still think has been exaggerated because I still really think it was the Creighton game was the only game that you would say he was above average. Well, how about this? Scoring-wise, I agree. Yeah, but it, last year he was more complete. Yeah. He did everything right defensively. That's true, and didn't turn the ball over in the tournament. So If yeah. we can get that out of him, yes. I'd, be so, yes. I'd be fine. If, if you told me for the remainder of the year – Mike McGurl is going to play elite level defense, have less than two turnovers a game, and have four or five points. I would take that 100% because his turnover rate, and even up until last night, his defense, he just didn't look like he wanted to be out there. So that is a great way to look at it. If, if, if he's going to play that in-your-face, mistake-free game, uh, even if he never gets a shot to fall, that's something that we're gonna, going to need because his minutes are going to go up, and we've seen we're a defensive first team. Yeah. So, fact of the matter is, if we're playing games in the 50s, you know, we're going to have a shot. So, I, I agree with you. That's a great call. Uh, and I do think that we will see that defense from him. I, we saw it last night on one of the best guards we're going to play all season, believe it or not. We held him to 10 points, held him to under 50% shooting. Um, I, I Yeah, I, you know, I'm starting – you know, there we go. He, he's the glove. He's the defensive stopper now. If we can get that out of him, just that sound, fundamentally good player who has some lockdown defense, fine. That's better than what we're getting out of him now. We don't have to have him scoring 15 points a night. That would be nice, but that's not the player he's going to be. Um, that's going to wrap up part one. We're going to 
pivot into some football talk now. But before we take a quick break, because i got to go pee, we're going to talk about, obviously, MyBookie. Yeah. You should head over to MyBookie, guys. MyBookie.ag. Use Capital Boys 25. You get a 50% deposit bonus. Do it. Where else, where else would you go? Nowhere. Nowhere. All right, we'll be back. And we're back, and it's time to talk about football. We have, you know, we've emptied our bowels and our bladders, <laughs> and we're ready to roll. You know it. Um, some... Uh some sad news. We, we, we knew it was coming. Um, we're going to lead off talking about Alex Barnes, the Purple Dragon. Uh, he's going to test, test the waters in the NFL, which means I'm officially on the Alex Barnes to the KC Chiefs bandwagon. Uh, I really want to be a Jersey boy again. So if Alex Barnes makes it to the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm going to buy his jersey, rep it loud and proud in Kansas City. Uh, but he is gone. Um, put out a very nice letter. Uh, to the K-State family. Um, don't, I still don't like that term. But he put out a nice letter <laughs> when he announced that he was going to go. It's something we basically kept telling you folks um, on here. Um, you know, I wish him all the best. He got his degree. He did everything the right way. Uh, he's exactly what a student athlete should have been. Yeah, Barnes is great. And, you know, I knew that he had told the team that he was declaring probably three weeks ago. But I was still holding out hope maybe after the, the Kleinman wave came in i was hoping you know there's just maybe a one percent chance that he can come back but the reality is no i knew he probably was not going to and it sucks but hey all respect in the world to alex barnes he ends his career at k-state with a total of 2616 yards which puts him fifth all time in rushing at k-state and that's just you know that's three years he only had he had below 500 yards in his freshman year so that's pretty damn good um can't imagine where he would be if he had another season under his belt that puts him behind pretty good company Darren Sproles, Daniel Thomas, John Hubert and L Roberson. Not much to say about that. He's yeah. he's fifth, he's great. Yeah, he's great. He's going to be one of those guys that uh our generation of Wildcats that always talk about uh I think we've truly been blessed by some great running backs and just look at that list and the whole world of uh college offenses moving to pass happy. You have basically three dudes now in the top five that were in Snyder 2.0 uh, playing, you know, behind some pretty prolific quarterbacks as well. Uh, Daniel Thomas, John Hubert, and now Alex Barnes joining the two uh, best runners from 1.0 with Sproles and Roberson. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a five that I don't, I, I'm just in love with. Granted, it, it helps out that K-State had very little history before we were alive, but those are five dudes that I have very vivid and great memories of. Everybody knows who they are. Maybe John Hubert on like a national, you know, scale. People don't people don't recall him, which is a shame. which is a shame. He's super good and very underrated. I mean, the fact that he's top five is honestly surprising to me with the running backs that we've had in our history, but. Uh, back to Alex Barnes, he's had 25 total touchdowns in his career. He was second team All Big 12 this season, which was a absolute robbery, to be fair. Well, and he he did make some first team lists. The right. media, because I think the coaches had him in on the second team. Media had him on the first team, and then some publications, Sports Illustrated and Athlon, a couple of them put him in the first team where he belongs. Yeah, he's a man. We will we'll definitely be missing Alex Barnes especially this year, not just because of the memories, but we will literally be missing Alex Barnes. It officially leaves K-State without a single scholarship running back on the roster right now. I'm not counting Mike McCoy um, because we both believe that he's probably done for his career. <sighs> it's not good. I mean, No, it, it's not, and I think, I, I think folks have to be able to tell it like it is. Um, you know, I, I, again, I'm not going to – spend rest of this podcast bashing Bill Snyder. Um, but folks need to sit back and understand the negligent practices he had when it came to recruiting and roster management. Uh, because you look at this roster, a power five school should never ever be in a situation where you're not returning any 
scholarship running backs. That is just insane. It's unheard of. And if you look at this roster up and down, it is there's not a lot of depth. There are a lot of great guys on that on that number one line on the depth chart. But man, if you have any injury troubles at all, we saw what happened this year. Yeah, I, I I'm a believer of climbing, and I'm getting excited for you know next fall already. But the fact of the matter is, we are in trouble, and it's all because of the way Bill Snyder ran this program the last three years, and. Uh, it's a it's a shame because I think there's going to be a lot of fans who point and say, look, this is what happens when you don't have Bill Snyder early on this year and then the following year, when in all reality, the roster problems are because of him. It's crazy to think about we literally do not have a running back right now. I mean, Bill really phoned it in, didn't he? <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's crazy. Like, most schools, especially schools that like at an elite level at this division, have like seven or eight running backs at a time on the roster. And we we don't have one, which is crazy. It's going to force our hand a little bit. We're going to obviously be have to be extremely active in the transfer market. Um, it's not good. It's really, really not good. And I'm worried that we're going to end up having to settle for – I mean, we probably will. We're not going to go out there and find a diamond in the rough. The, the odds of that are are very slim for us having a real quality running back next year. Or if, shoot, I mean, some, some freshmen are going to have to just step in. Yeah, I mean, again, and, and it's hard to really say much until you see guys playing, but we did get a running back commit this week. He's a uh, scat back type, though. He's like a change of pace guy. He's like 5'10", maybe 170. He's a Juco guy out of South Carolina. He didn't have a an FBS offer. He definitely didn't have a Power 5 offer. Um, and you need to take guys who can play running back. So I'm not I'm not frustrated about this. I'm not going to be frustrated about anyone who signs on the dotted line for this recruiting class. I'm hoping the 2020 class um, gets better. But fact of the matter is, uh, because of the situation we're in, w- oh God, I it's depressing. It, it's I, I try again try not to say depressing. It's, it's very not depressing. Sports. It's enraging it's, to yeah, me. It, I, it like really pisses me off that we were left in this situation. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's just, and we could see it from a mile yeah, away. And and a lot of folks didn't want to see it. Um, and quite frankly, if Alex Barnes would have came back, I don't think a lot of people at the national level or even the Bill Bots, the Bill Snyder University fans, would have taking the time to understand the situation Bill Snyder put us in. Um, but again, it's just purely negligent and it. Um, I, and it sucks because I finally had gotten to the point where, okay, Bill's gone. I was trying to get over it, but you see the position he put climbing in, giving him almost no time to recruit because he drug his feet for, you know, five weeks too long. He left this roster and absolutely, disgusting shape if you look at the scholarship <laughs> distribution between classes and positions it's just insane um and, and the fact that he demanded his buyout he, i mean he's getting all three million dollars and he's still getting a six-figure salary for rest of his life every year um i and again you know i was talking about this with my dad and uh and a lot of folks will say well you don't know what it was like back in 1989 all that type of stuff fact of the matter is things have changed he has a stadium named after him he has a statue named after him has a highway named after him we gave his family generational wealth um i i don't think he's above getting a massive amount of criticism and vitriol because of the way he's leaving the program now and it sucks because i got to the point where i was like okay i'm over it but you just look at the roster and you can't help but just be enraged yeah. Also, we do know what it was like because there's a documentary about it. So I, you know, I've seen it with my eyes. I get it. Yeah, I honestly <laughs> get it better than anyone now. Exactly. I've watched an hour yeah. video on yeah, it, so and I that get basically it. Basically, means I I lived through exactly it all. So all you right, can't tell me that. Talk about um, something I, more positive. Well, time, well, time out. Before we do, we do want to say thank you, Alex Barnes. Thank you for everything. Yes. Also, Isaiah Harris is transferring. Not as massive of a deal when it comes to. Uh, quality depth he didn't have the st- stats or the accolades Alex Barnes did but I did want to say thank you to Isaiah Harris um you know I any player who comes into this program 
and leaves. I, you know, I'm I'm happy that they came. I I'm rooting for both of these guys. I'm hoping, like I said, I really want Alex Barnes to get on at with the Chiefs so I can cheer him on on Sundays. And you know, what? if Isaiah Harris wants to go to Appalachian State and keep that pipeline of K State wide receivers to Appalachia, uh, go for it. But I'll be rooting for that kid wherever he lands as well. Yes, farewell to both of them. Um, we will miss them big time. Let's talk about Kleiman's first week. How has your perception changed on Coach Kleiman, you know, after his first few days on the job? Um, he he has done just in one day, in a you know, 18-hour <laughs> period, he did five in-home visits in three different states. He's now done more in-home visits than Bill Snyder did his entire uh, second round. So, um, again, in a perfect world, I, I think he would have left North Dakota State and he wouldn't be coaching because – those were two days he could have been recruiting more, but it looks like he was making phone calls. He was doing a ton of work from North Dakota for K-State. And at the end of the day, I don't know if those two days are going to be make or break enough um, to basically have him burning bridges. You can see how much he loves his players, how much he loves North Dakota State, how much he loves the Bison. Um, and I'm okay with it. At the end of the day, I'm going to get over it. He, he did a great job Saturday, the last day, to do in-home visits. Um, so my perception, I don't think it's changed because, you know, even before he went on the job, I completely did a 180. So I'm happy with him. I liked the press conference. Um, I know a lot of folks are spazzing out because he was basically making it sound like Sean Snyder's on his staff. I don't know if that's 100% set in stone. I would, I actually am starting to think he might end up in the athletic department. Um, but I mean, my perception, I, I'm really starting to love this guy. It, it's crazy because I'm embarrassed. I, I, yeah, like honestly, it's embarrassing. Like, and I didn't even spaz out on Twitter as hard as you did, Mister. Yeah, I'm yeah. done with tickets. Tweeting Gene Taylor. I, I mean, I hope we can get Gene back on after that. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not in the records. Um, uh, honestly, yeah, it's it's crazy how it's not just I've seen folks do flips way harder than even both of us. Like literally before the hire. Since before, before the hire today, it's changed massively. Obviously, he still has like a lot to prove, um, but it's been incredible to see how much he's liberated the program in just a few days on the job. I mean, he showed us a couple things. One, just how badly we've been in the dark ages for the last nine years. I mean, yeah, like it was there was a two minute video that hit Twitter at like midnight, midnight, and then all of a sudden that that's all it was. Like that Twitter hits when the damn day ever or dang day, sorry, when the dang day that goes viral. I wake up in the morning. I'm like, when the dang day, what the hell is going on? I watch this video. I'm like, hell yeah. When the dang day. And then people are going nuts. Here's the thing. There's like five shirts out there. Here, here's the thing. If Bill Snyder wouldn't have been, you know, so backwards and so anti-social media and anti-giving glimpses into the program, I don't think the perception would have changed on climate. I really don't. If if Bill would have given us some alternate jerseys, if he would have let more access into the program, if he would have let K-State Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, all of them, all of them do their thing the way that we've seen them do it with the volleyball team the women, and the men's basketball team, all these other sports – I don't think perception would have changed with Kleiman. But because Bill Snyder didn't recruit, he didn't do all this stuff, Kleiman's been able to come in and boom, one week, flip it's the switch. It's so funny. His and approval rating was probably like 20%. It's probably up to like 85 now. It's funny because he hasn't done anything really unique or special. And in his first few days, he simply just communicated with us openly, which has gone so far. He's been genuine. It's gone a very long way, you know. He's shown – I think he's really up for this job. I mean – that's not me saying it's going to work out and that it's going to be a great hire, but, you know, he's definitely pushed all the right buttons so far in, like, literally four or five days. Um, the biggest change, I think, aside from all the stuff we just touched on, is just the energy. The difference, the difference in the energy that he has, the youth, literally. It's just we've had an 80-year-old co- we We just got rid of a basically an 80-year-old coach, and, man, you can tell. You can sure tell. I can't wait. I'm like – We've got eight months. It sucks, but yeah, I'm excited to see what the best part that I'm. I really think that I'm enjoying the most is he's when losing Latrell, which sucked. Um, but he did th- get housed in that bowl game. Speaking of betting on bowl games, <laughs> he's absolutely got smashed. But what I loved about Latrell, and you mentioned this before, is that he gets marketing, he gets branding, and in literally five days, I think we've taken our brand to to a. Another level. I yeah. mean, we were underground, but 
I think you know, climbing climbing gets what it gets what it means to to build your brand, and I think we're gonna see a lot in the ne- just the next year. Yeah, it's gonna I, be great. I, I'm I'm gonna compare it uh, and stick with me here because it might be a little different. Bill Snyder was the brand almost to a similar point that Frank Martin was the brand when Frank Martin was here. It was all Frank Martin. You know, the media guide was his four angry faces. The <laughs> features that's on a great cl- great poster. Yes, yes, and, and nothing against that. All the, but all the ESPN coverage. It was about it was about him, the coach. It, you know, in the same way that was Bill Snyder. Granted. You know, Bill Snyder branding, you know, it's what you said below ground. Uh, Frank Martin, you know, it's, you know, at least, you know, on the second story of an office building. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Weber came in and it stopped being about the coach. It started becoming about the fans, you know, the octagon of doom, some of the players, you know, uh, and it's taken off, you know, now. You know, there was the Fresh Prince of uh, Manhattan stuff with Shane Southwell, and then there was the Dean Wolf, the Barry Brown, all this stuff. It's about the players. It's about the program. It's about the history, all that type of stuff. Bill Snyder's like, oh, we're talking to Bill. Oh, haha, cookies. Ah, yeah. Greatest turnaround, blah, 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 blah. Now it's, you know, yes, climbing came in. The, the phrase is now win the dang day. But it's now, you know, opening up on the players. It's, it's like – this new dawn of okay, this is what K State truly is. K State's bigger than one man, and Climbing may be the face of it. I don't know if he'll be truly the face of it, or if a player will emerge as the face. But it's still a fact that hey, now it's more than one aspect of it. K State is now going to become more than the greatest turnaround in Bill Snyder. It's now about okay, we're going to the next level, and I'm so excited about that. Yeah, the it, the handcuffs are off. Yeah. It, just let the branding people go crazy and uh, well shoot i'm speaking of that the media how much i've oh yeah how much have you enjoyed their rebirth because holy shit it's been amazing and in a few days they've done more for the football program than than we have in the last 10 years yeah social media is all over eating everything up (laughs) and i i you know shout out to you know friends of the pod kellis robinette he did an amazing story. He went up to Fargo for this. Uh, Still need to read that. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's giving you hope in like a glimpse of okay, you know, maybe ten years from now, that's what's going to be like at K State. So I'm I'm getting super excited about that. And then our friends at KSO and Kels, of course, they're now going to get you know players to talk to maybe twice a week. They're going to have coordinators to talk to. Uh, Taylor Brad is now tweeting like crazy. He's tweeting out gifts of him and Kleiman walking into recruits' oh my homes God, like the was, big baller brand. That was so good. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> you know, he's all over the place. So social media is going to take off. The coverage of this team is going to take off. You know, we're going to get more insight to the program between now and spring ball than we did the entire actual season without an actual practice even happening. And that's crazy. And it's what K-State fans have just been salivating for and wanting so desperately. And it's a it's a new dawn. The new era of K-State football started with last week's podcast. It did. Like most things at K-State, it started at the Bosco's Boys headquarters. Um, and, hey, the first thing he addressed on his flight – to Twitter, alternate uniforms. It's yeah. coming. It, yeah, it's it's coming. Uh, again, we'll see how much. Um, there was also a quote from uh, from Denzel Goolsby, who I think was like the superstar of KSO. First off, subscribe to KSO's YouTube page. Watch all their videos. They have a lot of free, uh, awesome just media over there but he was talking about how well, that was one of the first things C- coach Kleiman said to him but he said there won't be all black uniforms because gene taylor doesn't like it that disappoints me but oh well I, all black is i it's think played it's played out jump, it's jump played out i want to go all whites but i'm so excited for it he says he likes the classic element to it but if you look at what they've done at north dakota state they have i believe two or three helmets they have white green and yellow jerseys they have a couple different pants designs even just that just adding one extra color of jerseys a couple helmets a couple different colors of pants being able to go you know purple white pants white helmets like just opening that type of stuff up is going to just go so far with the K-State fans and then hopefully build on top of that, you know, get a couple extra helmets. And I do think I've come around to the idea that I do I, – I never want to fully go away from the Snyder era. Totally agree. Forms. I was going to say I've that. I've kind of gone back and forth, but I'm to the point where it's like, okay, I hope no matter what happens in the future of the program, we're always going to have that same silver helmet, the, basically the, the Dallas Cowboy copy – 
uniforms. It's America's team. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I want to see that, but uh, and I think start off with just different offshoots of it. You know, the same design with the white helmet, white pants, maybe black, maybe purple pants. You know, I, I want to see all that. I never want to go away from the basics, but I want to grow on it. I, five years from now, I do want to have like a couple one-offs that are a little too crazy that, you know, maybe don't work out that fans don't like. But I just want to see, you know, I just want to see it expand a little bit. I want like three or four games, I think three games a year where you're not doing the traditional stuff. Well, I think you are going to see that. And I'm like very, very happy that he said I'm a traditionalist. I like, you know, I like tradition, obviously. Because I love, absolutely love, like, our base uniforms. I think they look great. Um, they mean a lot. They act, They honestly mean a lot to the program, almost as much as the Power Cat does. It, I mean, I know you're going to smirk at that, but that changed the era. That's that's It, it, it almost sim- uh, s- symbolizes, you know, the rebirth and the turnaround. And, and they're clean uniforms. They look great, yeah, but th- it's th- just... We need, we do need something else, and we're obviously gonna get something else. But I like, I've tweeted out this picture like a million times. Someone, I don't know who it was, basically Nick, has nickname. It's not him though. Like he tweeted oh, it out, but he didn't like do it. He just. I thought he took the template and did change. I think he colors. just filled the colors okay, in, which matter. you know, fine. But like, basically use our current uniform, but do like kind of like an NFL color rush, which would be so great. Obviously, we need all whites. I've been desperate for all whites for years. Just give me a white helmet, white pants. I love our white aways. They look amazing anyways. But, hey, we're going to find out in a couple weeks what it's going to look like maybe. Um, We're going to talk to our Nike guy, and that'll be interesting because both of us seriously have no idea how the process works. Yeah. He's, like, dying to talk talk to us about it. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. One thing I would say, uh, (laughs) when it's all said and done, um, I think it might have been Matt Hall who said this or someone who said this. So if it wasn't Matt, someone reach out. If you want credit, I'll be sure to give you the credit. Um, I would like it if every time we played a Big 8 team, one of the original Big 8 teams, we always did the classic uniforms uh, just as like something that says, hey, no matter what, when we're playing KU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, uh, Iowa State, we're never going to go away from those Snyder uniforms. I think that would be a fun way to say, hey, no matter what, we're sticking to those uniforms. It may be the home opener every year. That way you're saying, hey, close to the majority of the games, no matter what, nothing's going to change. And then be able to, you know, get a little wild with the other games. Um, and then if you ever play Missouri, Colorado, Nebraska, and non con That's a pretty good idea. I don't know who said that. I, I, defi- I think it was Matt, but I don't know. Again, if it, if it wasn't Matt, reach out, let, let me know. So I think that would be a good way to make sure tradition's never too far away. Um, but – that's just my thoughts. It's exciting, but it is exciting. other things that we need to touch on: staff updates. So Taylor Bratt is officially staying on. Our guy, and he's going to shout gonna get, out to Ty- Taylor Bratt. We love you, man. Going to get a staff around him. Um, I'm very, very happy about this. For anyone listening that doesn't know, Taylor Bratt is like a huge asset for us. Players love him. Recruits love him. Parents love him. The staff loves him, and he's absolutely been handcuffed. For his job, I release mean, the Kraken, man. He's been released. He's been release everywhere. Release the Kraken I mean, with his purple Gator shoes, those loafers. Ooh, it's funny because those loafers. I was noticing. I was like, man, he's like tweeting a lot recently. And then I just realized, yeah, he's got like a job now. Not that he didn't have a job before, but like his job now is legitimately he's recruiting coordinator. So Let's he's rock and he's, roll. He's busting his ass already, and it's great. Very happy for. Very happy for Taylor Bratt. I know he was a little anxious about the transition, not not knowing what was going to happen, but everyone's on board, baby. And speaking of maybe other people being on board, there was a picture of Klein and Siler out recruiting with Kleiman. Um, that, to me, to most people, obviously indicates that those guys are going to be staying on staff. Are you pleased with that? Siler, 100%. Um I've gone back and forth with Siler, but I think at the end of the day, enough folks that you and I know that also know Blake Siler are just massive fans of him. They think he's the smartest guy in the world. Um, they think he's a great coach. I think it is a massive success keeping him on board. I think recruits love him. I know Texas was one of his territories, so we're, we're going to have that guy who's been recruiting for K-State down in Texas, so he's on the roll. Um, Kleiman also is a defensive first guy. So I think for, you know, Blake's career development, it's a great move, a massive move for him to stay and learn under this guy who 
has had elite level defenses and defensive contribution at every coaching stop he's made. Granted, in the FCS, but I, I think I think it's true. It's something that Coach Kleiman's been saying is football is football. So especially when it comes to learning how to coach defense, I think it's massive for Blake. Um, Colin, I. S- I don't know. I still don't know what to think. It's I, hard to tell with him yet. Yeah, I, 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 I do think that when it comes to just purely recruiting, especially the Lawrence, Kansas City, and Kansas areas, he's been one of the big guys there's, uh, there. So I think it's important, especially with all those free state kids coming up and how great the Kansas City metro is over the next couple of years. So recruiting-wise, I like it. Um, I'm, I'm a little worried about what his – future position is i know you had that marked down i would like i would really like to see uh climb and bring in a more tenured uh quarterbacks coach um you know he, he's had guys who coached carson once i would like to see that i would like to see uh coach klein uh colin klein like coach tight ends or even running backs or receivers fact of the matter is i think quarterback is Quarterbacks and offensive line are the two position groups on offense that are most important to have an elite level coach, someone who has a track record of developing talent. I think any other position on offense is more about recruiting first. And that's not to say Colin isn't a great quarterbacks coach or offensive coordinator. I'm just unsure. Just not yeah, confident. We don't, we don't know yet considering – you know, what was Colin really allowed to do under Bill? And, we don't and that, know. And that's like, a whole other thing. You know, maybe if he, he truly was handcuffed even more than I think, um, then then maybe keep him at, with quarterbacks. I I mean, I've heard similar things about Colin that people say about Blake Siler, that he is very, very smart, and he could probably do a lot of things aside from football, but he likes football so much that he came back, and he knows the game very, very well. Um so I think it's a good thing, and I think it's a good thing to have a face that was massive in the last 10 years to be on staff. He's going to be good for recruiting. He's built great relationships with people. So I'm excited. Um, I don't know what the hell role these guys are going to have. I mean, do you expect them to both take somewhat of a demotion? I expect Colin to maybe. I don't think he'll be a co-offensive coordinator. I actually don't think you'll see a demotion. I don't think Colin – I don't think Colin's – role as an offensive coordinator will change that much because it was more of a title for show um i think everyone knows quite honestly it was andre coleman calling the shots um i'd like to see that big old polish offensive coordinator from iowa come down and give a shot at being the offensive coordinator um but i think you'll still see both of them with coordinator in the title I actually think less will change for Colin. I'm a little interested to see what will happen with Blake Siler. Will he still be the one calling the defensive schemes? Is he truly going to be the defensive coordinator Um, or what? You know, with Coach Kleiman, you know, he'll be far more involved on the defensive side of the ball than Bill was. So I think think he'll see a little bit more change in his role than Colin will. Uh, Yeah, just for the record, I am excited that both of them – I mean, I think – just assuming that they're officially on board or on staff, I'm excited about it. I mean, I think they're both very young, up-and-coming, going to be very good coaches. I mean, shit, Klein was almost off to the SEC before the season started. Had but, a couple other things yeah. happened, he was uh, he was gone. I mean, no, I I agree, and I and again, I I'm probably a little bit more down on him than I should be. We'll see what happens under a new regime, yeah. which yeah, will be yeah, good for yeah, us. I, I do, I and and I I do need to probably go in with a little bit more fresh of a mind. I I think I probably expected a little too much um, this season, but every aspect of this program was handcuffed. I think. I mean, for God's sakes. We don't have a running back, Scott. Yeah, that's it true. It was run <laughs> with so much negligence. I honestly cannot believe it. So I'm excited to see what some of these young guys are going to be doing. Obviously, I mean, I mean, if Cli- obviously Kleiman believes in him, if he's going to keep him on staff, that's so true. that's a good indicator. That's true. That's true. Um, I'm excited to see it happen. Um, let's move on. You know, one real last thing. Who else do you expect to be retained? Yeah. So again, our our guys over at KSO they've been covering this. Um, with a lot of great detail, I m- most of what I'm would say stems from uh, what I've read over there, so I'm not going to go as far in depth. I would not be surprised 
if these are the only two true on the field coaches uh, kept, I do think that there's a chance Norwood might still be in play. I think there's a chance Sean might be in play as a special teams coordinator. Um, but I don't anticipate anyone else. I think everyone else is uh, going to be going their separate ways. Yeah, I agree. I really, really do hope that Norwood stays. I think we are going to keep him because he has great recruiting connections. He's the one that's deep in Texas. And I not? think he actually is a legitimately good coach. Well, right. The Absolutely. Look what he did with literally our second and third strings. He was His hand was completely forced with, through injury. And, I mean, he did a great job with our secondary. So, I'm pleased. I mean, I'm really pleased because before we got, you know, into this new coaching talk, we basically said names that we thought or we hoped would stick around. And those are the four people that I was hoping would stay. Brat, Klein, Siler, and Norwood. And it looks like they might all be staying. Everyone else is, you know, probably gone. I mean, I, I'm okay with that. Um, I think we definitely need some new blood in here. But I'm happy about it going forward. I hope, we, I hope we keep Norwood. We saw him yeah. in person. He's cool. Yeah, he is a cool cat. Um, <laughs> I know he was doing some recruiting phone calls and texts um, this week. He wasn't out on the road, though, so that probably leads me to believe it's not a done deal. But I don't think he'd be doing as much phone work if he wasn't at least in play. I agree. That pretty much wraps up the show. What's next? Um, Cats Hoops plays Southern Miss at home on 7 p.m. on Wednesday, 12-19. And then we head to Kansas City. Well, we stay in Kansas City, <laughs> and people head to us to play Vanderbilt in the Sprint Center. So we're going to be at Johnny's Tavern. At least that's what we expect. I mean, we're going to head there first. If something changes, we'll check our Twitter yeah. a couple be hours before a game, and we'll we'll tweet it out. But we're Johnny's Tavern is like right on the corner of Power and Light um, on the east side of Power and Light. Um, right across the street from the yeah, Sprint Center. It's, it's right next to the Sprint Center. Um, we're going to be hanging out there. I think Matt Hall is going to be there from KSO. He told me that... You know, at least he's going to be there for a bit. Um, they're not sure about what else, but come see us. Come say hi. Yep, we, we should be there by about 4 p.m. Again, we'll tweet it out. Um, you know, we, we want to see you guys. Uh, also, there might be a handful of Christmas koozies for free to be handed out to any boneheads that show up. Uh, a little bit of incentive. You don't get my wonderful Christmas cards with them, but you might get some uh, free koozies, a little bit of free oh, swag. Also, we have tickets, free tickets. Oh, yeah, um, we have two free tickets. We'll just give those away straight up. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. How should we give those away? Um, first just first bonehead who comes up to Grant, to Grant, not Scott, oh. comes up to Grant and says, I'm a little bonehead short and stout. Here is my – no, I'm kidding. Just walk up to him and say, hey, I need two tickets. Um, first bonehead who does it, you have to say, I'm a bonehead. I need two tickets. And then you have to give Grant a hug. Yes, I'll take that. that that'll work. Um, so we'll see you guys soon, hopefully. If not, you know, it'll just be me and Scott hanging out. So whatever. That'll work. That's what um, we usually do. Meet me at the Cathead. Merry Christmas. Love you guys. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. Since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs of stopping, and I brought some corn for popping. The lights are turned down low, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally kiss goodnight, how I'll hate going out in the storm. But if you'll really hold me tight, all the way home I'll be warm. The fire is slowly dying, and my dear, we're still goodbying. As long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow.
Weather outside is frightful, but that fire is mm, delightful. Since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs of stopping, and I brought lots of corn for popping. The lights are way down low, so let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally say goodnight, how I'll hate going out in the storm. But if you'll only hold me tight, all the way home I'll be warm. The fire is slowly dying, and my dear, we're still goodbye. Long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Podcast Network.